Awesome. Emily's running PowerPoint, so I'm in my preacher's chair, which at this point is outside of my home. So, <laughs> right on. Um, David, can you hear what I'm saying right now? Okay, cool. Right on. There's a lot of, uh, what's the term I'm looking for? Not insecurity, but there's sort of like, like, I don't know what's going on over there. You know, I feel, I feel uh, I'm having more empathy now for the last handful of services for you Zoom folks. Because uh, you're like, I don't know if we're there or not. So here we are. We're figuring it out. So this is good. Right on. So, um, yeah. Epiphany. Whew. Who's excited for some epiphany? Right? Uh, epiphany is this this Christian holiday that we read about, the coming of the Magi, uh, who see the star in the east, and they travel a great distance, bringing their gifts to find a Messiah from a tradition, not even their own, uh, right? So it's quite a story. It's quite a moment, and uh, it, it must have been to have been recorded in the Gospels, uh, right? So there was actually something pretty special about the fact that this did occur, right? It's kind of crazy if you actually think about the story. And uh, our breakout group had some kind of funny thoughts, you know, like why so much myrrh and and what's up with the text about being covered with camels, you know? it's um, There's a little ambiguity. We, we lose maybe some things in context, right? There's some who think that it actually wasn't three magi, it was a group of magi and, you know, and and it wasn't baby Jesus at the time. It would have been Jesus at like three or four, you know, it's, so we, we just take what we can, we can receive. Uh, but, but one of the things that stands out to me in this story is sort of the great uh, equality of this story. Uh, because if we're wearing the right lens, uh, I really think the story is in a way setting up the entire gospel narrative for us to see further into the great, juxtaposition of poverty and wealth, uh, of light and darkness, of what really power is, right? And ultimately to see uh, what that means for us as we pursue entering the kingdom of heaven. And so the story of Epiphany is a story about a God who comes among us, right? The story of Epiphany is a great equalizer among humanity, uh, that, that even the wise and wealthy travel from so far to bring their gold, right, their valuable gifts, to stoop low, to lay their crowns, we say, right, to offer at the feet of even a child. And so uh, in, in some of my writing and thinking lately, uh, I've been thinking a lot about inequality. Um, it's kind of a vast and, and deep topic, isn't it? Um, obviously, one of the main ways we talk about uh, equality is and inequality is through wealth and this conversation around wealth. Um, uh, there's kind of a rabbit hole you can go down. Uh, you can actually go to uh, inequality.org <laughs> and just kind of meander for a long time, right? There's, there's, uh, there's no shortage of resources out there. But as I was doing this, I was kind of perusing this website and one stat that really struck me this week as I prepared for this Epiphany Sunday was this headline that I saw and it said, 
three three men own as much as the bottom half of Americans, <laughs> right? I mean, talk about talk about three kings. You know what I'm saying? Uh, and you, you probably already know who I'm talking about uh, at the top of that list, right? Jeff Bezos, Amazon, Bill Gates, Microsoft, and Warren Buffett. Uh, you know. And, and together, their combined fortunes are worth more than the total wealth of the poorest half of Americans, right? But billions you know, we always talk about how, how wealthy people like this are, but you never quite uh, know what you're talking about until you see the actual graphs, you know what I'm saying? Like the actual charts, and it's kind of like, oh, wow, you know. Perhaps this isn't a conversation about wealth anymore, right? It's like a conversation about something else. These, uh, you know, th these are men of like a different world than you and I. Men who seem to be very, very far away from mangers and stable animals and the likes of those they're in. And so it's, it's hard to imagine, you know, I started playing with the idea, what would it look like for, for these three guys to show up um, right, searching for the Messiah, the Christ child, you know? It's like, I imagine like Bill Gates and Jeff Bezos, Warren Buffett, it's like the camels are out the window at this point. They're flying in on private jets. Um, you know, they've got Amazon gift cards and samples of the latest technology. There's a Ferrari for the Christ child. Uh, you know, I mean, can you imagine such powerful men, right? laying down their crowns at the feet of the Christ child. It's hard to imagine. This season uh, of Epiphany reminds us to look at the light. This is what the Magi did all that time ago. See, when we focus on the light, we are looking to the higher thing instead of our own thing, right? You can tell where their focus was. I love this little, this little window into them having this dream that warns them not to go back to King Herod, right? They were at least tuned in enough to receive this message, right? The Magi, uh, the Magi were a group of individuals focused on the light, on the Messiah and on this coming, right? And, and when you focus on the light, it brings, it brings equality with it. Because when you're focused on the light, you're no longer locked down on your own thing. You're no longer locked into your own agendas. You're no longer locked into your own advancement in the world, right? The gold that is so rightly yours, the power that you so desire, everything that is owed you, right? Because when you're focused on the light, you lay those things down. You realize how much these other things do not matter. You know, our scripture, our scripture begins with God saying, let there be light, right? The very first thing that happens is light. Light is the thing that we are all made from, and light is the thing that we are all drawn to, right? There's no coincidence here. Light makes us human again. It reminds us that we are created in the image of the divine, children of light. As the scripture says, light is the great equalizer. Light is the great equalizer. In Philippians 2, we read that familiar verse. Paul says, 
that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of those in heaven, of those on earth, and of those under the earth, and then every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. The light, the light will eventually find us all, the whole world on our knees before the light, our God, the equalizing light. Paul, who wrote this letter to the Philippians, also at one point, right, you know that story in Acts 9, he finds himself on the Damascus road with his face down before Christ, the light of the world. This is familiar for him. You know, this, um, this week has just been crazy, right? This week has just been insane. You know, the oldest living Americans today have not seen anything like this. People shot inside the Capitol building and the seeming collapse of democracy, uh, right? Just looking at the images is enough to cause anxiety. But you know, this morning, the enemy is not one another. The enemy here is not each other. But it is the spirit of divisions that are being sown among us as we become further entrenched in our own agendas, in our own authority, rather than God's rather than focused on God's light. And so there's a little bit of irony this morning, if you're reading this passage, uh, how ironic that this story is about Herod, right? This king who is not focused on the coming light, but focused on how he's going to lose his own power. And that's all he can hear. And that's all he can think about. Epiphany shows us the kind of humility we can have as we lay our gifts, our power, and even ourselves down before the one. But it also is a story that reminds us of the fragility of leaders in our world and their willingness to incite great evil in an effort to maintain their power like Herod. You know, in a time when we are so divided, red, blue, green, black, white, brown, orange. The church must stand up and proclaim light. Let there be light. Pointing to that which should have our gaze, that's worthy of our gaze, the only one, the light, the only one who is holy and love and joy and grace. Uh, this morning, I'd like to read a passage for you, and it's not in your handout, uh, but it's at the end of your Bible, sort of toward the end of our story, and we catch a glimpse of this holy light. Uh, you're welcome to read along if you have a Bible. It's in Revelation chapter 4, and uh, if not, I just encourage you to listen. Um, in Revelation chapter 4, verse 2, John confesses to us, he says, at once I was in the spirit and there before me was a throne in heaven with someone sitting on it. And the one who sat there had the appearance of Jasper and Ruby, a rainbow that shone like an emerald encircled the throne. Surrounding the throne were 24 other 
thrones and seated on them were 24 elders. They were dressed in white and had crowns of gold on their heads. And from the throne came flashes of lightning, rumblings and peals of thunder. In front of the throne, seven lamps were blazing. These are the seven spirits of God. Also in front of the throne, there was what looked like a sea of glass, clear as crystal. In the center around the throne were four living creatures and they were covered with eyes in front and in back. The first living creature was like a lion. The second was like an ox. The third had the face like a man. The fourth was like a flying eagle. Each one of the four living creatures had six wings and was covered with eyes all around, even under its wings. Day and night, they never stopped saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. First time. Whenever the living creatures give glory, honor, and thanks to him who sits on the throne and who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders all fall down before the one who sits on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever. They lay their crowns before the throne and say, you are worthy, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power for you created all things. And by your will, they were created and have their being. This is the word of the Lord. That, that is in our Bible. Today, uh, wrapping this thought up. Today, how might we have the light as our focus? When was the last time you were captivated by the light of Christ so absorbed by God's radiance that you relinquished your own crown and your own agendas and your own castle and your own construction just to be in God's presence, to bask in the warmth of his light, to allow it to absorb you, to transform you. Today, so this morning, may you hold the light of Jesus Christ coming into the world to proclaim the true light has come. May the light be our focus this morning. And may we be a people who hold vigil amidst a world that so desperately needs our prayer this morning. And to ourselves, cast our crowns down before the one who sits on the throne. Uh, let me offer a prayer for us this morning. And I think maybe Noah's going to come back and maybe play another chorus for us. So. Let's pray. Lord, we give you thanks for this morning. This season that we've said this moment is so important. We're going to put it as a part of our Christian calendar. We're going to stop here on the journey every year to remind ourselves of what it means to come in the presence of the light that no matter who we are and no matter where we're at and no matter what we have, that when we focus on the light, it brings us all together and it finds us all on our knees before you, oh God. So we give you thanks this morning that your kingdom is coming and your light 
is coming into our world. Help us to be people of light, children of light, even in the midst of such seemingly dark days. In your name we pray. Amen. Thanks be to God.